I've been leading this program. I am the head coach, right? And I love that because I get to work one-on-one with people throughout, you know, even though it's a, it's a sort of a group program, a small group program, you know, 12 to 15 people, uh, and they are going through it together. One of the ways that I help them get results and help them move through the program is that I, they are, they are doing one-on-ones with me and those are amazing. And so I think the next evolution is being able to serve more women in the program. Creating courses and programs for your brand can be a massive undertaking, which could take years. The guests on your Greatest Work podcast have poured their heart, their soul, their finances into creating amazing products for their business with the intention of reaching more people, generating more income, spending less time while generating that income, and achieving success in all of its forms. Let's welcome today's guest as we discuss their challenges, joys, and ambitions to transform lives with their learning offer. You can't generate passive income with integrity until your offer is truly transformational and you can prove that it gets results for your clients. Clients are done with crummy courses and we're going to talk about how to make your greatest work. I'm your host, Manya Horner. Some traits which were formerly a negative in my life, such as attention to detail, out-of-the-box thinking, yearning to do things differently, and dreaming bigger than anyone around me, these used to be my shame, but now they're my greatest asset. Prepare for an intelligent conversation with people who are open for feedback and exercising humility as they continue in this pursuit of lifelong learning. Grab a notebook and capture some strategies that you can implement right away in the next iteration of your course. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Your Greatest Work. I am joined today by Leah Niederthal, a wonderful woman in business who I have had the absolute pleasure to meet. We've spoken about, what, three or four times before finally recording this episode And I just believe in my heart that the timing is always perfect. So I'm just so thankful that we get to have this conversation right here, right now, talking about a challenge in Leah's business. And we met, I'm going to say maybe six months ago through the online network of female entrepreneurs. And I came across Leah's podcast and it is fabulous called Smart Gets Paid. I really recommend you check that out and also her programs. Just her whole business is inspirational. I find myself responding to every one of your emails, Leah. I'm going to share a funny little story about this at some point, but your emails are so personal and they hit so close to home that obviously you're practicing what you preach in your programs. So thanks for joining. And could you just get us a little bit more involved and tell us what it is your programs are about and let us know more about you and where you're at right now in your business? Sure. And I'm so glad we're having this now. It's, it's been sort of a comedy of errors in scheduling. and mm-hmm. uh, But I'm, I'm with you. I think now is the right time. So I'm so glad to be here. I'm Leah Niederthal. I'm a sales coach for women business owners. I help women land higher paying clients in their B2B consulting and coaching businesses. So that means getting more of the clients that you want, getting more yeses, and get pay, getting paid dramatically more for your work. Sounds so, ideal. <laughs> Um, and so I, I actually, I, I'll, I'll tell a little bit about my programs, but I also want to start with how I even got to these programs. So um, I'm a sales coach, but I've never actually been a salesperson. My background, my corporate background is in marketing. 
I started a marketing and website design business Mm. and realized pretty quickly that um, I didn't know how to get clients because marketing is not actually selling. And just because Mm -hmm. I was really good at marketing, it didn't didn't mean I knew how to sell. And you know, I think a lot of listeners might sort of have experienced that as well. um, That you know, and it's a thousand times harder to sell your own stuff than it is to sell someone else's. Totally. I freaked out. I went back to corporate. I ended up leaving there after two weeks when I, or sorry, realizing that after two weeks that it just wasn't the place for me. I really wanted to run my business and I taught myself how to sell. I read 65 books, everything I, I was reading, I tested it with my own clients. Anything that felt salesy, I ditched. Anything that felt you know, comfortable, I kept, and I developed a selling methodology that feels really comfortable and works. Uh, and using that selling methodology, I've sold three million dollars in work, and I have a ninety-two percent win rate. That's what I teach wow. women now. Okay, that's so amazing. <laughs> thank and can you. I just interrupt you for a second? That email, that these emails that you send, just to nurture and provide value to your audience or your, you know, your people, your tribe, it feels so personal. I read to the bottom of every single email. I reply back all the time. Your poor staff, they're like, why? <laughs> you know? No, I, we love them. We and love the them. other night I was working really late into the night and it was one in the morning, I think. And I checked my emails and I saw an email from you that I don't normally read. And I get down to the bottom and I see Manya, da, 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 da. And I was like, oh, she mentioned me in her email. How did she know that was... I must have told her that was the thing I was working on. And literally then I clued in. I'm like, oh my goodness, Manya, you're either too tired or you're just that sucked into how amazingly personal this email is. <laughs> you were just using my name in it to like reiterate, but it felt so personal. I thought you actually called me out in your email. I'm oh my almost gosh, embarrassed that, to say this. No, that makes me feel so good. I mean, I, you know, in in the business that I've been running, you know, since 2015, in this form of the business, which is like a sales coach for women uh, business owners, um, it's taken a lot to really mm-hmm. hone in on who my people are, but I realize, you know, once I, and it's this process, right? Mm-hmm. You learn more and more and more, but now, you know, so many years down the road, I feel like I, this, this makes me feel like I'm doing something right because I, I must've hit on something that, that spoke to you, right? So much so that you thought I was really speaking to you. Um, yeah. You, and, I and literally thought you had mentioned me in your email. It was oh that. Gosh, I love it. And I, I was it. like, oh, I must have told her about that. And then I was like, no, wait a minute. No, this is just so working for me right it's now. So relevant, right? That's so it's relevant. So resonant, resonant and relevant. Also, I think one of the ways that I am was able to have been able to sort of hone in on, you know, what really makes the women that I work with tick. And let's be honest, you know, the women I work with are, they're sort of a version of myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like put a lot of pressure on yourself, came out of some some other career where you're mm-hmm. starting a business, you're used to sort of getting things right and being the smartest one. And mm-hmm. uh, you put and type A overachiever, and then you start this business. And, um, you know, maybe the first several clients come your way uh, because they know you or through referrals or whatever. But then when that dries up, you're like, wait a minute, I know how to do almost everything. How do I not know how to sell? Mm-hmm. And, you know, then the sort of, you know, you're trying a lot of things and it's not working or it feels weird. And, and you're like, I'm too smart to sort of be struggling with this. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so starting with that point, and then how I actually started this, you know, iteration of my business with the coaching is I work with people one-on-one. I say all this because I didn't go straight to 
courses, right? I spend a lot of time working with clients one-on-one and listening, mm-hmm. really listening to, you know, what it is that women were struggling with and mm-hmm. what you were afraid of and sort of making sure that I spoke to that and I I understood it, right? Mm-hmm. And I also spoke to it. So, um, so it makes me feel like I, that time was beneficial, not just in creating courses that really get results, but in thankfully being able to speak to people in ways that you can, you know, you can hear it. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving us that insight into how you got here. And obviously, once you had finished serving these one-on-one clients, you started transitioning into the idea of creating a program for yourself. So tell us about your flagship program. And before we get into that, I want to make sure I reference your clients properly. So do you call them students or members or clients? What do you call them? I, the women in my program, mm-hmm. I call them students. Amazing. Um, okay. You know, I'm actually, uh, I say this all the time, I'm not like a trained coach, which I also am a big proponent of. You don't have to be a trained coach. Mm-hmm. However, um, I think my, I don't know, zone of genius is I am a teacher at mm-hmm. heart. You know, I would I agree with that. To, That's how I feel about myself. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like a lot of people, it's like my zone of genius is taking these com- complex concepts and making them very palatable and, you know, easy to, to understand and use. And so, yeah, I always joke that I'm kind of just, a, I'm not a coach. I'm really a teacher. A teacher, so yeah. my, my clients are students. Okay. Thank you for that. So let's launch into your flagship program and tell us what the outcomes are that people can experience after being part of this program. Because whether you're teaching it as little bits of content in courses, or you've got elements of um, group calls, or you've got elements of resources or tools, that doesn't really matter. I think what matters is what are the benefits or the outcomes that people get after they're going through your program? Yeah. And I'm still right there with you on that. You know, How are people different you know, after they sort of go through the program and before. So my flagship program is called Signed. And uh, as you mentioned, I had been doing this one-on-one work and I was, um, I found myself sort of working on the same things with all of my then clients, Mm -hmm. right? Not students, but then Mm -hmm. clients, I was working with them on the same things. And one evening, I think I, at the end of the day, I realized that I had like touched every single client at some point in the day, right? And they were all sort of struggling with the same things, irrespective of how long they had been in business or whatever. Uh, and sort of, I sat, I remember I was in a, in a bit of, a little bit of frustration only because I felt like I had been, you know, mm. unable, I was like t- trying to repeat myself. Mm-hmm. I sat down with a Google doc and I was like, you know what? These are the things I tell people all the time. And I just like furiously wrote, wrote, wrote. And I had like pages and pages. And I looked at that and I said, oh my gosh, this is actually a program. Mm-hmm. This is if every you know if everyone's struggling with similar things, this is a program. So that became my program, signed. Okay. And the women who go through my program, they start by feeling uh, when when they start the program, they feel a little um, self conscious about selling. Selling feels very uncomfortable. They don't feel like they can ask for more money, or maybe they feel weird on sales conversations, um, and they're sort of undercharging. This is you know some sort of combination mm-hmm. of these things at the end the outcomes they are able to confidently lead a sales process in a way that doesn't make them feel pushy or make them even feel like selling they're selling they can charge and get paid more for their work you know without just adding scope and 
hours. Mm -hmm. They have a tremendous confidence in this part of their business. You know, they're always sort of confident in the expertise part of their business, but usually this part feels a little shaky. Okay. They have tremendous confidence in this part of their business. They are able to get, have more conversations with the right clients and they're able to stabilize their income and so that they don't get caught flat-footed needing to sort of drum up business mm-hmm. when when a pro, when a, a project or a retainer ends. Oh that's such a horrible feeling and I remember that in the early days like you say once the referrals and word of mouth contracts sort of dried up because nobody knew knew about what I was up to, you know, and that was an awful place to be. And I found myself in the same spot going, how do I drum up new business and keep this really consistent? So I think it's a wonderful program. So how how are you finding the results are, are currently? So are you getting a lot of people going through your program and completing it? Are you getting great feedback and testimonial about not only the content, but the way that you're delivering it? So what are the results coming back from your students right now? What's the data saying? The data is saying that everybody goes through the program. So the, you know, I when I started the program, when I created it, I was aware that something like 90% of people actually don't finish programs that they purchase, right? And I think you shared that with me as well Uh in our earlier calls. That's awful. And you know, not only is it awful because they're not getting the results that you know they could get if they were to do the program, but you know, when you think about when you transition your business from a one-on-one business to a course business, the best partner, you know, I, this is going to sound a little crass, but the best sales tool beyond any webinar, beyond any social strategy is somebody who went through your program and got amazing results. Oh, for sure. And, and wants to advocate for you and tell people about you. And so there are there are benefits on both sides. So I structured the program where we all go. It's a cohort-based program when we all sort of go through it together. We all start on week one, week two, week three, et cetera. And so for that reason, nobody drops off, right? Okay. Like nobody doesn't finish, right? right. Pardon my, part my double negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that reason, people get really great results. It, during the program, people are signing their biggest deals ever. They are setting boundaries with clients that they wouldn't be able to before. They are confidently, you know, even feeling confident following up with somebody where that might have felt uncomfortable. Mm. And so when you can add all of these wins up, you know, by the end, people really feel like they know what they're doing and they have the tools and the confidence to do it. This is great. So it sounds like the people going through your program are doing really well. You're getting the results that you want. So what needs to change in order for you to feel like, yes, I'm making progress towards my sort of best future program? Right, right. So I think that I've been doing this program. I've been leading this program. I am the head coach, right? And I love that because I get to work one-on-one with people throughout, you know, even though it's a, it's a sort of a group program, a small group program, you know, 12 to 15 people, uh, and they are going through it together. One of the ways that I help them get results and help them move through the program is that I, they are, they are doing one-on-ones with me. Right. right? There. Yeah. And those are amazing. And so I think the next evolution is being able to serve more women in the program. Mm-hmm. Because, and I don't ever envision this 
having a hundred people going through it at a time. I think there's something really special about the sort of small groupness of mm-hmm. it. But I do want to scale it, mm-hmm. right? I want to scale it better than I had before. You know, going from one-on-one to a program is it's in itself a fuller form of scaling. Yes. But you know, how do I serve more people? And I think the one thing I struggle with is in the sort of online business owner world, right? Online entrepreneur world, there is this sort of mentality that if you want to serve more people, you have to go from high touch to low touch. You have to make a course. It's totally DIY. You have to never talk to people one-on-one again. You have to only have, um, you know, tools and resources, but Mm -hmm. you know, you have to go super low touch. But I think one of the things that is really special about our work uh, about this program is that it is high touch. And so, you know, one of the things I'm always thinking about is how do I enable more women to get the same results and without losing some of the high touchness. This, I mean, here's the thing. I've taken a lot of programs myself, right? I'm a constant learner. I, in starting my, and running my business, I have paid so much money out to people, you know, to learn from them. And I, and I'm not just tooting my own horn here. I I have never encountered a program that's as high touch as this. Okay. And and I don't want to lose that. So, okay. So how can I do that without sort of necessarily going low touch with with keeping the high touchness? Okay. So it sounds like you have this goal. You want to grow. You want to serve more people, but still keep an intimate feeling, and you want to keep the high touch. Do you feel like you have to be the person to provide that experience? Or do you feel like you could enable other people to be ambassadors or messengers that could do as good a job as you? Well, you maintaining see, I'm like that high over touch. Here, right? I see you're smiling. I, yeah. I um uh, I mean, here's here's the thing. My rational brain says, of course, anybody who is trained on my methodology and has the right background and has the right approach could be a coach in this program, right? That's what my rational brain says. But then my gut says, you know, that little voice is like, nobody could be like you, right? And so this is the constant struggle. And I know it's, you know, the struggle for a lot of course creators that, you know, nobody could essentially replace them. And so I, but I know that I am not some sort of unicorn. I just happen to have a methodology that works and an approach that works. So yes, I do so, believe. Yes, I, okay. I will you do believe, but I you're struggling. Believe, <laughs> but I'm struggling. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the honest truth. I do believe, but I'm struggling. You, so I think that was my question is, do you honestly believe that this methodology can be learned without you? Oh boy. Yes, I do. Okay, good. Because if you said no, I would be wanting to help you make sure that your program could be learned without you. Because I think there's an element of it may not be simple enough, or it may it may have some other things that could be looked at from an outside perspective if you didn't think it could be learned without you. No, I mean, it, it can be learned without me. I mean, and I've systematized the mm-hmm. learning of the component parts enough, right? Um, and there's a very clear framework, a very clear journey to, you know, to do the transformation. 
I think where I struggle mm-hmm. is that we are teaching, I'm teaching selling, right? There are fundamentals of selling. But even though you know the fundamentals, every sales situation is a little different, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, can a coach enable the students to use the fundamentals in almost, I guess I'll say like the right combination, I suppose, to to handle a sales situation that may be a little different, right? Okay. And will they be able to do that off the cuff? So, so there's a lot of coaching that like, you provide. This is my other question is, which parts are you providing that make such an over and above difference in that student's ability to do what you're teaching them? Are they giving you scenarios like, okay, I've got this client call and I'm getting prepared for it. And here's what I'm going to say. And then you give them really direct feedback on that particular yes. situation. So right. In our coaching calls, you know, we delve into the material, but we also do uh, what I call situation-specific coaching. Mm-hmm. Right? Talk to me about what's going on right now. And those are the questions that people do bring to our calls. You know, A client got back to me with a weird question. What do I say now? Or I also look at proposals and and coach the you know make very specific feedback on how to make them stronger for very specific clients. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So you really are offering a service way above and beyond a typical course. It's not just learning. No. It's learning and application. It's learning application, and you're providing that one-on-one feedback and coaching. Right. And so, which I, and which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like this. I do enjoy it. I, I I love doing this work with my students. And so, you know, maybe there is a question about there. It's like, what is it giving me that mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to lose? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you, and you're a smart woman, so you know how to set up your own structured offers. And so that's not really what I'm going to try to coach you on. But I will say, you know, have you thought of having that more VIP tier where if somebody wants that Leah's feedback on the thing, there's a group that gets that. But there might be a layer of your product that's the exact same content that people can do on their own if they don't feel like they need that level of feedback or they just don't want to afford that level of personalized feedback. You know, that's one way that I've I've started changing my offer is that I'm now taking my signature program and it's being licensed to other business coaches and other sales coaches people who are great at the sales part but not so good at helping their students learn about the offer itself and how to create that transformative learning program that they want to include as a part of their business so that's one way that i've been able to scale and truly generate passive income is by taking my system that i know works building in more automated accountability and licensing that out. So selling it and it it runs. I still maintain it. You know, it it runs mm-hmm. through my my platform, but that's one way that I can scale the actual system part of it and the actual course part. Those people are getting support from a coach in the in the program. So I don't have to be there to kind of, you know, answer all of the questions, but that's one model um, and it works really well. The other way is can you perhaps train others to do this high touch part because i i know that businesses can't grow to you know a multi multi million dollar level if you're the only one doing the coaching unless you're charging hundreds of thousands of dollars per person you know like unless yeah. each cohort is bringing in so much money per person that you can still maintain that one on one and grow to that kind of level but businesses that i've worked with that rely on consultants to teach 
what we do is we have really, we change the focus. So all of your attention could be on those coaches and enabling them and making sure they're the best they can be. So it is a different feeling because you have to shift now from being um, the facilitator to being the manager of the facilitators. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's a different feeling, but it just depends if you're at the stage of your business where you really want to give up that teaching role or if you want to change your teaching role so that you're now teaching other people to be able to deliver your strategy and right, to be able to right, give right. the feedback in the way that you want. And when I've done train the trainer sessions like this and and nurtured consultants, you get to pick the people that are the right personality and you hire them. You get to train them using the language you want used. You get to teach them the method and watch them teach back. You know, you get to give them the scenarios and have them give the feedback and 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 coach them now on making sure it's delivered in the way that's under your brand. So it's it's just a, a mindset shift. It's a difference in how you're approaching yourself or thinking of yourself as a teacher. But I've done this with many companies. Yeah. No, I mean, this is that's really interesting. I think that makes a whole lot more sense to me than teaching somebody to do it like you would do it versus your students are no longer the individual learners. Your students are the facilitators. That's right. So right. you have a, That's, a new class, you know, you may have five facilitators that you train and you nurture and you continually check in with, and they're now delivering their own cohorts. So you get to duplicate yourself and you focus all your attention on nurturing these brand new coaches in your business. And there is a transition period, like there always is, but, you know, finding the right people who could actually be your students. You may actually well, have some students to be able to, you know, bring in. I, you know, I'm thinking back and I did a little bit of this when I went on a maternity leave. Mm-hmm. I you know, asked a student who, uh, a former student to be a coach. Okay. I created a guide for her. I was, you know, I did a little shadow coaching mm-hmm. on the back end. Uh, you know, using Voxer and we would go back and forth and she'd say, here's how I'm going to respond. And I would say, that's good. Just don't forget to mention this. And it worked, I think, quite well. So, so you've <laughs> done it as as, in a small as, way. I've done it. I've done you it. have. And you felt like you did it out of necessity. But what if you had ambitions for your business to make this way more accessible to people without having to triple the price of the program? To hit those revenue goals. And you, you know, considered yourself to be now, you know, the the nurturer of this team of coaches. And I think that could be a really great way for you to still be a teacher and still manage and maintain the quality of this high-touch program that you're really proud of. So I don't know, did you want to talk about more about the idea of how do we run this kind of a train the trainer? Or what are the yeah. elements that make up a great, you know, kind of, I'll call it train the trainer because that's super typical language in the learning world. Yeah. Um, I do want to learn. I, I do want to talk about that more. I also have a question mm-hmm. around, okay. you know, even getting to that point, and maybe this is on the way to the train the trainer. I'm really good at like making up barriers for myself on like what needs to happen before I do mm. the thing that needs to happen. Right. I'll just sort of own that. You know, this program is 
great as is, but I want to make it better. And I think okay. if, as we've gone on, as I've gotten input from clients, as I've sort of changed a little bit about how I teach certain concepts, you know, so my natural inclination is if I'm going to do a train the trainer, I need to redo the whole thing. Mm. And, um, you know, I, and I want to pull out like, um, you know, little guideposts or whatever. So that to make it almost like more, the foundational elements are like called out even more so that in my mind, the trainers can use them more effectively, right? These like sort of keynote keystone concepts or whatever. But I also am aware that that's my tendency is to want to make things more complicated. So is that necessary? if you're going to do a train the trainer program. Well, I would probably like to see your program before totally saying to you that's necessary or it's not because I'd like to know whether you do already have some clear I'll call them milestones of achievement for your students. So are there some clear places where they're like, "Yep, I've learned that, now I get to move on to the next concept?" Do you already have that in your signed program? I believe. Yes. I mean, I do. That's the way it's structured. Okay. Uh, Could it be better? Sure. Sure. Things can always be better, but that's okay. Cause you and I have already said that you make, you make it once you sell it forever and you iterate forever. So I know you're already of the mind that iteration is important. Now, the other question is, do you have some ways of measuring people's progress along the way? Or is it all observable from your end? Because I I think that could be a little bit of a a hindrance for you where you're at currently. If you don't have an overall strategy of assessing your students along the way by some different ways, you might be feeling a bit hesitant. Like, well, I won't know if they're doing okay if I'm not there to see it. So there's some different strategies for assessing They can be things like observation, and you can duplicate this by yourself. If you have a checklist, like at this stage, at this milestone, I want to be able to observe this behavior, this behavior, this behavior, because that checklist becomes part of your new trainer's toolkit. And they're going to be the ones who are now checking off and assessing, is this happening right now at, you know, let's say at the end of module one, I want to be, yes, I can see these things. And if not, they can use that as information to feed back to your student and say, you know what, I'm noticing now that we're in our one-on-one call that this is an area I'd love to support you in. You know, so you can, or I'm not seeing this yet. Have you done this? So you can actually create these observation checklists that your teacher would now be able to duplicate. The other thing is you want to make sure you're observing knowledge. So are people getting it? So you can have little knowledge checks like, hey, here's a five-question Do you feel like you understand this? Yes, 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 or no. And that can give you some feedback. Um, The other is getting them to do some more um, self-reflections along the way. So yes, I'm feeling this or no, I don't have confidence here. So that can help you assess people's mindset or their attitude or where their confidence is sitting. So I like to challenge people when they're creating their program, what's that overarching assessment strategy? How will you measure people's progress And kind of report it back to them so that they can see how far they've come and you have a good way of knowing that, yes, people are actually getting through this. Think like typical education. You know, there's always some sort of a way to assess if people are getting it or doing it. And we can build that right into our programs as well. Yeah, no, I love that, especially since it's something that you can iterate without blowing up and starting over. You don't need to blow up and start over. And Yeah, that was something that I learned from a mentor about 
12 years ago, I was in corporate learning for a huge bank. And my natural tendency was, this thing sucks. I got to blow it up. I got to start all over. And he said, you don't always have time and you're not always being paid to start it over. So I'm going to challenge you. What can you do to iterate what you've got? And that was so hard, but it stuck with me. And I still try to come back to that in my programs and with my clients. What can we do to make marginal improvements before we blow the thing up? Because yeah, sometimes you have to, but you don't always have to. Right. But you know, as as people who start cor- create courses because they want to share learning, isn't you know sharing more of the learning like that's the fun part, right? Yeah. Marketing the course, all that stuff. That's the not fun part. Mm-hmm. Finding ways to teach things is is really the fun part. But I hear what you're saying about um, you're not you know, there, there may be, there's probably a lot more there that you can work with. I think so. And it sounds like if people are already getting great results from your program, you may just need, you know, somebody to look at what you're doing and find the pieces where there's more that could come off of your, out of your mouth teaching plate, you know? So there might be some stuff that can come out of what you're doing, enter into the program and how can you assess people and get more um, structured ways of observation so that all of your coaches can do the same thing that you're doing. Mm, yeah. 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 Well, so assuming that you can implement some sort of assessment strategy or progress strategy, what else goes into a train the trainer? So, in a train the trainer, I always take a look at my whole program and I create a facilitator's guide. So I have all of the bits of the program with you know, the facilitation points, the key things that have to come out if there's any coaching segments of each part. I just kind of put on my teacher's hat and I brain dump, what do I have to say? What do I have to look for? What are the things I need to... Questions I need to ask? What should I be listening for? And make sure that that is documented. So in when I bring everybody together for a formal train the trainer, I teach the program they all take notes on how I'm teaching it. And then I get them to teach back. So everybody has a section kind of towards the end where they all are going to be taking their assigned module and teaching it to the room. And then they get feedback on how they're delivering it so that they know where to modify or change words. If there's any words they say that we need to catch and switch, because we're like, no, we don't use that term. (laughs) So you are going to put work into creating a facilitator guide that mirrors and kind of builds on what your program is. And it's going to have them teach it back so you can give feedback. And you're going to continue to be giving them feedback and probably refreshers along the way. But if they're really in tune with your program, they buy in, they're ambassadors, they know it works, they love it. You're going to have a really loyal crew of coaches and they're going to just be like total ambassadors for you. Well, I think... And I I love that. I... One thing that I always think about, though, is that part of my programs is, of course, teaching, right, and Mm -hmm. learning. But there's also a lot of unlearning of the things that people come in with and the assumptions that they've made about themselves or other people, uh, maybe their clients, things that they heard growing up. And so part of the coaching, coaching, you know, not the teaching part, the coaching is just shining a light on that. and. So for example, I remember I wrote this for, uh, maybe I just, I'm answering my own question, but when my facilitator jumped in for me during maternity leave, uh, I wrote like a coaching guide that said, basically the first car- part of answering a question is 
poking on the assumptions that are driving the question, right? So somebody says, blah, blah, blah. If I do this, it's going to be salesy. Instead of saying, it's not going to be salesy, do it this way instead, you know, really stopping and saying, before you even answer the question and saying, well, talk to me about why it's salesy, right? Talk to me about what. And so I don't want to lose that element of, you know, not just learning the content, but learning the, the style and the approach, because oftentimes that's where the biggest learning can happen. It's not, you know, learning a particular tactic. It's the sort of shining a light on the assumptions that are, you know, that might be holding you back. Okay. So sometimes you will identify that in your coaches, we'll just call them that, or, or your new trainers that you're hiring, you're going to have to do an assessment on their skills. And you're going to have to do a bit of an assessment on some of their mindset issues, or I, I hate the word issues, but some of the mindset that they're coming with. And you may, in your train the trainer, end up doing some coaching skills. And some of the key coaching skills are listening skills, feedback. How do you provide feedback that's you know both constructive and positive in a in a way that is is you know useful? Um, so yeah, listening skills, feedback, questioning. There might be empathy. You know, there's there's some skills that you might identify as being critical for those co- coaches to have. And you may end up having to do some specific skills training for those coaches. And you, yeah, you know, that, so that, that of... may that may be required. Like I'm doing a program right now and it's for a mentorship program. And I found that the mentors they have within their company, they're lacking some fundamental skills. So in order for this whole program to work, I'm having to do a training session for those mentors. And, you know, we're teaching them it's it's asking questions, it's not just telling. You know, there's there's different ways that you should be approaching these mentorship conversations that are different from the way you have. And it's going to be tough. <laughs> That's tough because mm-hmm. it's not like you give, uh, you know, training and people are changed in an instant. You know, sometimes right. there's there's barriers. Um, right. But yeah, you but may think, end up you're... have to help. You know, you may end up having to incorporate some of that, that coaching skills training or really getting people absorbing the style. Right. I think that it's the empathy and compassion that mm-hmm. I don't want to lose. And so that's a personality thing too. I think when you're doing your hiring, that's going to be the thing you're looking to hire for. What are the parts that I can't teach them? Right. So I can teach people how to be better at asking questions or how to give better feedback, but can I teach them empathy? Can I teach them compassion or kindness? That's a little harder. So you're probably going to want to hire people that have that empathy and compassion. And and that's a whole nother topic, how to hire people with that. But look to hire people for the skill, for the personality. You can teach them some of the skills. Okay, great. This conversation took a totally different turn <laughs> than I was expecting, but I love oh, really? where it's gone. So what other questions do you have as we wrap up? Because we've we've had almost an hour here where we've been talking, which has been so rich, so important and useful. But you had mentioned something too about decoupling content. Did you want to go there at all in this conversation? No, because I have a I think okay. I have a better way to go to like wrap up. Um, okay. But uh, I think that, you know, this has been super helpful in sort of the how of creating the train the trainer program. Um, but I think I also sort of identified that I'm the problem, right? Like I'm the barrier. And uh, so what would you say to help me sort of 
be able to move in this direction without feeling like it's all going to fall apart. So recognize that your business is great where it is. And it's fine if this is where you want it to stay. There's nothing telling you that you have to grow. But if you aspire to reach more women than what you currently can, you're going to have to look at some of the businesses and some of the ways that people are doing this all around you, maybe without you even knowing it. And you need to what actually you, you think of yourself that? at that level. So for example, a, a health and safety company, okay? They are teaching manufacturing facilities all over North America how to have better safety within your plant without you know, accidentally losing limbs or getting caught or dying in big machinery. Okay, What if you were just one person trying to go to every single manufacturing plant in North America and saving lives and reducing workplace fatalities? You would never be able to do it. But this is such an important thing that you can't just be you. You have to duplicate yourself. Otherwise, there's going to be people dying in manufacturing plants all over North America. And I'm not saying this to be silly. It's true. So I worked with a company who the only way they can get this message out to manufacturing plants throughout North America is by having a whole army of 30 consultants that go and teach this in their states and in their territories. So if you care so much that more women are selling, you've got to duplicate yourself. So this is you now have to think like, how big is my, is my mission? Is my vision for this? And like, am I willing to get out of my comfort zone here? Because your program can be changed no problem to support this quality vision that you have. But how bad do you want as many people to learn this as possible? Well, I think what you said as, as the example actually hits harder, right? Like, yes, I'm a super ambitious person. I want to solve all the problems for all the people. I want to have a good life for myself and my family. Um, and so I know that, you know, bringing on additional coaches is going to be important to that. But I think what you said about the manufacturing is, is somehow hitting me more deeply in that people do this. Companies people do this. this. People this do this not, all you know, the time. I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to, you know, the guy, the guys who installed our security system, right? They have to be trained by their headquarters. The gosh, I mean, we'd be doing a lot of construction. So the other exact mm-hmm. you know, example is like the guys who are running the ACE franchise or whatever, uh, the hardware store that we go to like once a week to get something. I, I, so I think realizing like, all right, Leah, this is, yes, you might think this is a big problem that you can't overcome. Um, and this is like somehow unique to you and it's insurmountable, but like, also guess what? People do this. It, like companies all of the main, all of the main all companies the time. are doing this. And right. so it's so, only these solopreneurs who aren't yet. And so you have to decide, do you want to stay as a solopreneur and just kind of keep your little tight bubble of people that you serve? Or do you really want a lot of women and men if, if you're serving both, you know, to, to, to get this and to be able to do this. And I feel like you're, you're teaching something that's do or die for businesses. If you can't sell yourself, your business is over. So maybe if you think of it a little bit more as this is do or die for people, is it fair of me to only serve 50 women? Is that even fair? Yeah, no, I think honestly, I think the, 
this is so important. I think what I, that, that is my, that's my hangup. This is so important. This is so hard. You can't fuck this up. You can't get this wrong. Mm. Right. Versus something like this is almost no big deal because this is not, this is not this sort of like uh, off the wall thing that nobody's ever done before. No, you're, companies, you're following companies a model that's all standard. Over, exa- yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. That's mm-hmm. exactly it. This is a, you are following a model. So don't make it more precious than it needs to be. Don't make it too precious. And you know, that's the one thing that I think I add a lot of value to these conversations is because I've done this at the big, big corporate. I've done this at the medium-sized business, you know, the 10 million, 15 million. I've done it at the now I'm talking to entrepreneurs who are in the, you know, high six figures and it's like or seven, you know, million dollar. How do I grow? How do I make it not all about me? And so I can bring that perspective and also look at your program and help you structure it. So the thing will work without you. And like, do you want your business to die with you or do you want it to be able to, you know, live and grow and be a thing that perhaps you sold one day? Right. You know, so I think that's the thing is this is not a model that is outrageous or that's unique to you. This is something that's being done all the time. Yeah, I think that helps me. Well, thanks, Leah. (laughs) I'm not a therapist, but come to me for direct feedback anytime. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's it's like my aunt who's a ther who is a therapist calls it's called AFGO, another well, another effing growth opportunity. It's so true. And yeah, it's like, how can you just now think about matching your business with that vision you have? And then what are the steps you need to take? Who do you need to lean on to make your program become the thing that can scale like that? Right. Right. Well, thanks again, Leah. I just can't wait for people to hear this episode because it is crucial for the entrepreneurs that are in our stage of of business. And there's a few ways of scaling. We talked about a couple. One was enabling coaches to be able to spread your message and teach in the same way that you are. And the other is to perhaps take your program or your course and license it out. So there's a couple of different ways that you can have your business grow um, far beyond what you could ever do on your own. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Please share, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and better yet, connect on social media. It can feel really isolating talking into this mic. It's tough for an extrovert like me. So please send me a message and let me know what you think of the show. I welcome feedback and ideas because I too am always learning from you. Thank you.